Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. And welcome. Good morning. Good Saturday morning. A little wet one today, but you know, that's the good news in a lot of ways. Julie Weisenhauer is back with us in the U of Good morning. Good, good morning. Yeah. This is good news for the most part, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be kind of a... Mm, kind of gloomy for a few days, but I sure there's green a few, things up. Though. I know it's wow. really stuff is growing. Like every time I look out the window, I think, wow, that looks a little bit bigger. Well, if you have any kind of a garden question, but especially this morning, a lawn question. Yes, yeah. What did you bring with you? Uh, my buddy, John Trappy, who's a postdoc in our Department of Horticultural Science on the TERP team is here. All right, John. Great to be back. Yeah, to John. glad to have you here. So if you have a lawn type of question. Yep. Today Pass is your day. You don't have to ask it. You can ask Julie another one. But uh, let me give you the phone number, the usual number, and the text number. And you know we always tend to get busy with this show, so don't wait. If you have a, a question, call it in or text it in. 651-989-9226 or send a text, 81807. And already for the last few weeks, Julie, we've had a lot of lawn type of questions. And, John, about... Uh, uh, pre-emergent. What 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 what, yeah, what, what, what do we do this time of year? <laughs> what should we do or what shouldn't we do? Well, uh, truthfully, right now, so th- the idea is to try to put down a pre-emergent herbicide for people that know that they get a lot of crabgrass because it's a summer annual. So they're trying to prevent that crabgrass from coming up. But as of right now, you're you've already missed the window. And if you were to put down a pre-emergent herbicide, you would be you'd still end up with some crabgrass. Oh, okay. Right. So it's already coming up. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and what's the deal with seeding and, and seeding in uh, pre-emergence? So with a pre-emergent herbicide, uh, if you were to put down a pre-emergent herbicide to try to prevent crabgrass, if you tried to, if you attempted to seed your own lawn with that, you could, in fact, uh, depending on the herbicide, affect the seedlings that you're trying to get to come up. So, sure. uh, so the, that's definitely something to be aware of if you're trying to prevent weeds and then try to reestablish your lawn. So could you seed... Still seed right now, though. I know fall is the best time, but... Yeah, without a pre-emergent herbicide or anything, let's just say you wanted to, to try to... Fill some patches or something. Exactly, to fill in some areas from winter kill or anything like that with seed. Right now is a is still a great time to be doing that. Okay, great. Tech says, I have some tiger lilies coming up in an area that's too crowded. Can I remove move them now? You can move them now. You want to dig really deeply and don't be really careful. I... I did this last night. I had some lily bulbs, and I didn't dig deeply enough, and I chopped the bulb off. So be very careful. Dig nice and deep. Uh, get as much soil around them, and just don't just move them really carefully to your new location. You know, I'm looking at the forecast, and I, I'm wondering if folks are going to or should move certain plants in 
Uh, the low tonight <laughs> oh, no. for around 41. Yeah. Is that doable? Is that just uh, leave I, it alone? I tell you, if you've planted your annuals in pots, it's kind of, I, I don't, I don't think there's much you could do. You, there's not frost that's going to happen, so they're not going to get nipped by frost, but they might look a little sad for a few for days. For a couple of days. Yeah, low Sunday night, 38. Woo! Yeah, it's getting close. But, Minnesota but weather. Another, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll tell you what. Let's do this. Let's get to the phones. There's a line open, 651-989-922. Oops, no, that's Phil, too, now. All right, text, send a text, 81807. Let's go to the phones. Mike and Andover is first up here. Mike, you're on CCO. Good morning, everybody. Morning. Morning. For, those, morning. for those of us that did put down a pre-emergent product last weekend, uh, how long can I expect to wait for that to do its work before I can start putting new grass seed down and expect it to germinate? So, so a lot of that depends on the rate and the herbicide that you used, the pre-emergent herbicide. Uh, typically, 60 days is, uh, is, is a typical window there. Uh, sometimes it can go up to, to, uh, up to 100 or more days. So a lot of that depends on uh, soil moisture, uh, soil temperature, and things like that. But uh, I would, if you put down a pre-emergent herbicide to save your money and save yourself some time, I would really just focus on fertility and then trying to seed in the fall to thicken up your lawn. All right. Thank you, Mike. Hope that helped. Uh, Let's go to Eden Prairie. Dan is there. Uh, Dan, you're on CCO. Yes, thank you. Um, I have, we have a number of ornamental evergreens that were uh, probably five to eight years old, and we covered them uh, over the winter, sure. but took that cover off in, I, I think, mid-March or so, and they were green when we uncovered them, so it looked like they had weathered the, the extreme cold weather fine, and then they all browned, so they are now, there's three of them, completely brown, but the the um, challenge is the the... Um, the branches themselves are actually still um, lifelike. So I'm wondering, do we just leave those in and see if potentially some new growth will emerge? I mean, they are completely brown. Yeah, so it sounds like uh, you have you did the right thing. You felt the branches, they're still flexible, they're still, maybe you can see if you scratch with your fingernail a little bit, you can see a little bit of greening underneath. Uh, what Do you know what kind of evergreens they are? Uh, one of them is a, a spruce. Uh, right. Actually, two of them are spruces, and one of them is a pine. Okay. So what you want to look for is any new growth that's going to happen in the next. Now that you've taken off the cover, unfortunately, they turn brown, which is that that is really sad because I know that those are expensive plants, and you've already invested a number of years into growing those. But what you want to look for is any new growth, whether it's new needles or if it's buds along the branching. And then it's kind of a wait-and-see thing with those. Um, some people may decide, since they're all brown, to take them out, but I'm kind of a fan of, especially with those kinds of plants, is just waiting and seeing how they, uh, how they emerge. So uh, if, if you can see any new growth, that's great. Then just let the needles drop off naturally. Okay. John uh, Texter says, I put down Scott's Turf Builder for crabgrass three weeks ago. Now when can I weed and feed? Uh, so... You could, uh, three weeks ago, um, I would, uh, the turf builder, I presume, has some fertilizer in it. So I would, I'd be a little bit worried about over-fertilizing at this point, if you've already, depending on how much you put down. But uh, the weed and feed products, uh, they can, you could, you could, in theory, uh, apply them again in a month or so. Uh, But at that point, I'd be starting to worry about fertilizing too much going into the summer. Okay. Uh, 
Would there be enough texturized sunlight on the north side of the house to plant Arctic fire dogwoods? What do you think, Julie? Uh, Arctic fire is a beautiful dogwood. It has lovely red uh, branches. And um, probably the north side would be a little bit sketchy. Um, but, you know, the, because of the sun changing, sometimes I wouldn't plant it uh, close up to the house. But if you can plant it a little bit away from the house where there might be a little bit more sunlight, I think that would be good. The important thing with dogwoods is to prune out as the branches age. They lose their nice red color. So you want to be in there and you want to be taking out old branches as they emerge. Uh, as they start to turn kind of corky and gray or brown colored, just get a nice sharp lopper and go as low down to that ground you can in that branch and take those out. And that will help to keep rejuvenating the plant to keep those branches nice and red. You might The branches might not be as bright a color in the more shady area. All right, let's go back to the phones. Marilyn is calling from Edina, I believe. Uh, Mar- Marilyn, you're on CCO. Uh, yes, uh, we have rock landscaping near our, next to our house. A couple years ago, we planted some new little the evergreen globes, and they have died. And I think it's because of the plastic under the rock. Oh yes, it's not getting enough water. A few weeks ago, uh, you or someone mentioned a product that allows the moisture to go through. Right. What is that called, and where do, where is it available? So under those under rocks, uh, plastic black plastic is a big no no when it goes to any kind of landscaping um, under any kind of mulch. And the reason is exactly that is that it prevents all water from getting down into the soil, and that's likely why your plants died. You're exactly correct. So you want to put landscape fabric. Uh, on on soil and then put the rock on top of that. And the fabric is porous that allows water to penetrate through it, but not but it acts as a weed barrier to prevent weeds from uh, going, coming through. The other thing it does too is if you ever have to remove the rock, uh, it's easier to do that. Plus it also prevents the rock from working its way into your soil, which you don't want that to happen. So uh, unfortunately the best uh, best thing to do is take off the rock, Put, take off the plastic, put down landscape fabric. You can buy it at garden centers. Uh, you can buy it at big box stores. You can order it online and uh, and put down some fabric and then put the rocks back. And then you'll have to just cut through the fabric to do any kind of planting. Okay, very good. Uh, we have to take a quick break, but we have more show to come. You can call in your lawn and garden question, 651-989-9226, or send a text, 81807. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show around every Saturday here in the 8 o'clock hour. If you have a lawn or garden question, Julie Weisenhorn will help you out. But especially, right, Julie, if you have a yeah. turf yeah. question. Oops, sorry. John Trappy is here. It's a, it's a mic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wondered what it was. We welcome you uh, and your phone calls and text messages. Let me let me give you the phone number. 651-989-9226. Text, meanwhile, and we have, oh what, a million goodness. of those? I'm going to get coffee because I, I don't think there's anything yeah. about anything but turf in this question. We've got a few. But, you know, folks have been waiting <laughs> on the line, too. Let's let's help out those, and we'll grab some text messages after. Uh, Jim in St. Paul, I believe, has been waiting uh, the longest. Jim, you're on CCO. Uh, hi. I have an oak seedling that's uh, grown for probably three years. It's 20 inches tall. Okay. And I'm wondering if it's too late to move it. Right now it's got 10 inches of new growth on it. No, you could move it now and just get as big a root ball as you can around a big uh, soil ball around the roots. Uh, Dig it nice and deep and have the hole ready to go wherever you're going to transplant it. You can just like 
pick it up and move it over there and then be sure to water it. We have an excellent uh, publication. I mean, right now we're going to get a bunch of rain, but we have a good publication on our uh, extension website at extension.umn.edu. And if you go to Yard and Garden, it's called Water Wisely. And we have two publications there, two web pages. One is on watering newly planted trees, which is would pertain to uh, your oak tree. And the other is on watering mature trees. And it helps uh, give some guidelines for how much water, how frequently, and uh, especially with mature trees, how uh, f- how far their roots extend and how uh, where to water those root areas. But that's a great uh, help when it comes to newly planted trees. All right, very good. Thank you, Jim. Uh, let's talk to Sarah, who's calling from uh, St. Paul this morning. Sarah, you're on CCO. Uh, hello. Uh, I really enjoy your program. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm going to be overseeding a lawn that hasn't been maintained very well. Uh, it's thinning, and it's not your dark green color. And uh, I've been on the website and uh, regarding the overseeding. Now, it doesn't mention anything about putting on a, a thin layer of... Um, compost or topsoil before you seed. Uh, is that something that should be done? Yeah. Uh, so generally speaking, anytime you're seeding, you want to make sure that the seed has good uh, contact with the soil. So some people mm-hmm. can use a compost, a light layer to top dress with that. But generally speaking, what I would recommend doing is just trying to make sure that uh, that you can scratch up the residue and try to get the seed down into the, the soil that's already there. Um, I would I would start with that first and uh, and see how that goes with an overseeding project. Okay, and what about a starter fertilizer? No, it's uh, th- this lawn hasn't had any fertilizer on it at all, and if I put on you know a bunch of nitrogen, it's just going to make the existing grass go wild. So, what would you recommend for a starter fertilizer for the new germinating seeds? Yeah, so in the state of Minnesota, if you're seeding, if you're doing a, a, a seeding establishment, you can apply a, a fertilizer that has phosphorus in it. And so a starter fertilizer would be just one that has a higher uh, percentage of phosphorus, the second number in that fertilizer label. All right. Thank you, Sarah. Let's go to New Brighton. Uh, David has been waiting. David, you're on CCO. Good morning. Hi, Julie. Thank you. Um, I have a question about cultivating uh, vegetable gardens. Okay. I have... Uh, several raised bed gardens are fairly narrow, and I have one of these little cultivators. It's a, kind of an oil mix or a gas oil combo in it. Um, I'm wondering, it, the, it, it rotates very, very quickly, and it kind of pulverizes the soil, and it, right. it, it bums me out because <laughs> I, I love the worms, and I'm chopping up my friends the worms. <laughs> And so I'm wondering if there's thought that because it pulverizes the soil and I'm also working in compost sure. at the same time, but if if it kind of chops it up into two little pieces and, and if, if a bigger cultivator, which would also go deeper, you know, harder to handle, and I would actually have to rent one, but if, if that would be kind of the preferred machine. Are these raised? How tall are the raised beds? Like a foot? Like the, their mounds? Or uh, they're they're actually contained within okay. um, cedar boards. Um, they're probably six inches okay. to twelve inches above ground. Okay. So there's a couple thoughts about tilling. Some people believe in no tilling, and some of the reasons are what you mentioned about how it breaks up the uh, soil into 
gets it too fine. It can harm organisms like worms that are valuable in uh, keeping that soil porous. Uh, it also can raise weed seeds to the surface, and a lot of our weed seeds will germinate when light hits them. And uh, and so there's some 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 people don't till at all. Some people just mix in some compost, you know, by hand as they plant. Uh, other people will just lightly, uh, you know, add that to the soil as they uh, when they dig the hole and mix it into the the backfill. Is so I think there's there's two schools of thought there. Um, with a smaller tiller, they are more manageable. They don't go as deep, as you said, as the larger tillers, which have bigger tines. So uh, if you, uh, you know, you may want to try an experiment where you till one part of your bed and then till another part of your bed and compare the results. Plant the same crops in there and compare the results and see what you think. Um, but you really don't, in a raised bed, the nice thing about that is you've added in that soil. You've mi- you're mixing in the compost. And and really at that point, the soil is probably not terribly compacted because uh, you haven't been walking on it. You haven't been, uh, you know, uh, uh, having any kind of machinery on it. And so uh, the soil is probably still pretty good and doesn't really need to be tilled every single year. Okay. Good. So I'd kind of I'd opt for skipping the tilling. But you might want to do a, a trial on your own and see which one, you, which one works better for you. Very good. We need to take a break. We have more show to come, about a half hour's worth. So stay with us. Callers in the line, hang on, and textures as well. We'll get your questions answered as many as we can, as we are busy today. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO. In studio with us from the University of Minnesota, Julie Weisenhorn and John Trappi. And we are really talking lawns and gardens. Not that we don't usually. Truly. Truly. All right. So if. uh, Got the pro here. If you have a turf question specifically today, uh, you can call and uh, ask John that question. We have, in fact, there, there was a text that came in a bit ago. Says, shouldn't crabgrass preventer also prevent quackgrass too? I spread crabgrass preventer three weeks ago. Was that too soon? Maybe we should differentiate between those two. Okay, so if right off, uh, right off the bat, the crabgrass preventer three weeks ago, if you were trying to prevent crabgrass, was well timed. Uh, that was oh, about that was about perfect. Uh, related to the crabgrass versus quackgrass. Crabgrass is a summer annual that germinates in the spring. Uh, quackgrass is a perennial that uh, basically exists throughout the year. A crabgrass or a preventer, or excuse me, a pre-emergent herbicide will have no activity on quackgrass because it spreads by rhizomes. So if you do have quackgrass, uh, you would unfortunately there's not very many options for eliminating it other than a non-selective herbicide like glyphosate. Mm-hmm. All right, another texter says. And you get this, you guys, all the time. What can I use besides Roundup to kill weeds? Oh. <laughs> Good question. Good question, yes. I think it would depend on, on the weed. Certainly, anytime you're trying to control a weed, you want to know what's, what weed you're trying to control. And then uh, first, first step is identification, and then second step is, is trying to find a suitable tool. So without knowing which weed species it is, it's tough to recommend other herbicides because – Agronomically, uh, it's it's not uh, not a good idea to just be applying a herbicide if you don't know what you're trying to control. It's also the timing too, because mm-hmm. a lot of these plants are better treated in the fall. Absolutely, with some of these while they're translocating. Yeah, absolutely, timing of the year is very important there too. All right, speaking of weeds, uh, Caroline is calling from Coon Rapids, I believe, with a question. Caroline, you're on uh, CCO. Hi, we have a well-established yard in Anoka County in Coon Rapids, so it's sandy. We get the same little weed every year, 
It's kind of a flower-looking thing, and you can't really dig it up because it breaks. It's got small little um, um, stems that it's almost impossible to do anything with it. I've tried the Roundup. I fertilize um, all cycles and all seasons. So I'm wondering what it is and what can we do to get rid of it? Well, I think like John said, it's gonna, we're going to need to identify it. That's the, that's yeah, the most important thing. I have no idea thing. what it is. Okay, so one tool that we can, we can help you with is on our Extension Yard and Garden webpage. We have Ask a Master Gardener, and we have a team of Master Gardeners who uh, you can email in up to three photographs. Make sure they're nice and clear, and, uh, and you can send those in with an email, and, and then we'll get that plant, we'll get the weed ID'd, and at that point we can probably help you with how to treat that. If or how to get it, you know, manage it anyway. Um, but it does depend on what it is, and that's that's the first step. Okay. Texter says we have mature oaks and pines in our yard. Is there a shady grass seed type you recommend? Is there another ground cover like sedge that would do better? Well, uh, like a lot of things that we recommend, it kind of depends on the amount of shade that you have, but. Uh, generally speaking, if you do want to try uh, to plant a lawn there, uh, the, the fescue species, fine fescues and tall fescues, are, will be the, the best for that area. But if indeed you don't ever get any direct sunlight uh, and very, very few hours of that throughout the day uh, during the growing season, maybe a, uh, a ground cover would be the best option there. So some of the ground covers that you could look at, we have a, a great publication. If you Google uh, best plants for 30 tough sites... Uh, there is, uh, I, I believe, one of the 30 tough sites listed has some ground cover options. There's also uh, a publication that we have on ground covers for tough sites as well. The problem with underneath uh, shady uh, mature oaks and pines is you want something that is going to tolerate uh, fairly dry conditions and also uh, be able to out, you know, be able to survive with the competition from all the tree roots as well. Um, I mean. Ground covers like Pachysandra is an excellent one. That's a Japanese spurge. That's a beautiful, uh, it's blooming right now, uh, nice coarse ground cover. Sedges, uh, some of them I think will, I think most of those prefer a, a, a more moist area. They thrive in a little bit moist conditions, not so dry. Um, things like uh, certainly any perennial plants, you could do a nice perennial shade garden under there using hosta and some of our native wildflowers that grow in the shade. Uh, also, some of the um, the uh, 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 shade annuals as well. You could look for those as well, begonias and whatnot too. Here's somebody who's thinking ahead. What's the best way to seed in the fall? Do I need to put down black dirt? Uh, so similar to another question earlier, I uh, I would just kind of, uh, since you have so much time, I would consider a soil test first. Uh, and uh, but prior to establishing, making sure that your nutrient levels are all sufficient. But uh, seeding in the fall, you want to look for sometime between August uh, 15th, uh, somewhere to no later than September 15th uh, for a timing window. Uh, But as far as whether or not you need to add black dirt or soil uh, to that, I would say that that depends on the site conditions. Typically, that's not needed. Okay. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, Connie is calling from Ham Lake with a question. Connie, you're on CCO. I have a tree in the yard that is, uh, uh, in the fall, it turns, leaves turn brown. The top, only on the top, about two-thirds of the tree, they turn brown, and then they fall. The rest of the tree 
then in the fall the leaves turn brown, but they stay on the tree. They stay on the tree until late spring, and then they fall. And it looks they look kind of like a maple leaf, but I'm not sure. I just out of curiosity, is that? Can you tell me what that is? That tree? Uh, I can't tell you what tree it is. Um, I guess my concern would be why the top two thirds are turning brown and dropping off, and uh, the bottom third is staying on until the till spring. Um, my first thought would be an oak tree of some kind, but that would that wouldn't make sense for the top two thirds to be dropping off. I'm wondering if the plant is if the leaves are damaged at all, if they've had any Japanese beetle feeding. Uh, that might make them turn brown, and and uh, but they would be kind of a lacy-looking leaf, and I imagine that you would have mentioned that. Um, again, I think one of the best tools is to, uh, if you have any photographs uh, as we go into this year coming up, uh, to take a picture of that tree and get it identified. And you can do that on our extension site. That's extension.umn.edu. And uh, go to Yard and Garden. And then just go to Ask a Master Gardener, and you can email in photographs. And let's at least get the tree identified first, and that's then we can uh, deal with the uh, browning and the leaf drop. Makes sense. Texter says, how do you get rid of wild violets? They're everywhere. <laughs> I like them. Uh, yeah, wild violets, I, I presume that they're uh, talking about in a lawn. Uh, so uh, wild violets are typically indicative of uh, shade uh, because they love shade. Uh, so first, I would address, uh, consider whether or not you've got uh, excessive shade for your lawn. Uh, but otherwise, there is a, there's one herbicide with the active ingredient called uh, triclopyr that is uh, effective at controlling wild violets. Okay. Uh, back to the phones we go. Greg is calling from Woodbury with a question. Greg, you're on CCO. Uh, good morning, and thank you for your show. I have a 25-year-old bluegrass lawn. Uh, in Woodbury, we have a lot of... Um, clay. It gets aerated every year and fertilized uh, four times a year. Uh, I have an invasive species I've been told called poa. It um, unfortunately has spread um, throughout the lawn in, in very small applications. At first I thought it was a bent grass and that I could just um, overseed it. Now I'm told that it has to be eradicated and due to the amount of it that and the length of the lifetime of the seeds that my lawn has to be um, pulled out. Now, we did try Tenacity for the last three years. It's a pretty expensive um, selective herbicide, and it has not uh, worked. Any other ideas? Uh, so the POA that uh, someone probably referred to is referring to POA annua. Uh, you actually have POA pretensis, uh, Kentucky bluegrass. POA annua is annual bluegrass. And uh, that you you should notice that because it has a lot more prevalent seed heads than than the Kentucky bluegrass uh, for the rest of your lawn. Uh, there are some herbicide options, but again, they're very limited. What I would suggest doing is uh, so annual bluegrass seed is just everywhere. It's very prevalent. It's probably one of the most dominant weeds in the landscape. Uh, I would I would suggest trying to uh, discourage it from coming into your lawn. Uh, because it, just by doing that, just by allowing your lawn to dry out a little bit more, uh, because annual bluegrass cannot tolerate dry conditions uh, as well as Kentucky bluegrass can. So uh, cultural control, therefore, just trying to uh, limit its uh, spread into your lawn. You know, let's mention the website again. We like to do that from time because it's great, great information. Yeah, so our website is extension.umn.edu. 
And you can uh, just type Yard and Garden in the search box and come into there. We have also our Yard and Garden blog, Yard and Garden News blog. And for those of you who are mystified by plant labels, we have a terrific new video that Mary Meyer did, who's Mm. also part of the Smart Garden Show, uh, on how to interpret plant labels. And uh, so take a look at that. We also have some good uh, information. So a lot of people like to add coffee grounds and oh, yeah. other things to their soil. And, and uh, our uh, uh, food safety educator, Ann Sawyer, who's also a soil scientist, has written a nice article about coffee grounds and hmm. Epsom salts and those kinds of things, uh, whether they're beneficial. Uh, eggshells, that's the other thing, too, that she wrote about. And so she's uh, talking about uh, those additives, those kind of home remedies and whether they're beneficial or not. So that's Yard and Garden News. So uh, take a look at that. We write it every couple of weeks. Like the page. Uh, we're also on Facebook as well, too. And then, John, you guys have a great turf blog as well. Yes, uh, turf.umn.edu uh, is our web is the webpage specifically for uh, a little bit more turfgrass content, turfgrass-related content for, for both uh, consumers and professionals alike. All right. Let's take a quick break. We have more show to come. Uh, more phone calls and text messages to, to answer here on CCO. And we're back with this portion <laughs> of our Smart Garden show. That was fast. Woo. All right. We are trying to get as many calls and text uh, questions answered as we possibly can uh, between John and Julie's help. But we could probably do about six more hours, I think, here if we, <laughs> if we have the time. Yeah, um, a lot of text messages. Uh, okay, let's see. Where do we leave off? Uh, Jan in Minneapolis is uh, next up on the phone. Jan, go ahead, please. Hi. Um, I have a lawn with a large brown spot, and when I dug in it, I found these little uh, baby, uh, they look like worms, and I believe they are Japanese beetle babies. How do, I read about milky spore, is that the answer to use that on the lawn? So, uh, so if you found white Japanese beetle larvae, they should be uh, white grubs. Uh, they'll be white in yep. color, and they'll be C-shaped. Uh, yep, and pretty them. big. Yeah. Yes, they're huge and ugly and have a little brown nose. Yep. There's, so, a, there's a big, huge picture of it on the Yard and Garden News blog. <laughs> Prominent. So, so what do you think Jan could do? should do there are some uh, chemical options out there the milky spore is not is not quite as effective uh, on white grub species uh but uh, otherwise there's um there are some grub uh species out there or uh excuse me insecticides called uh with the active ingredient imidacloprid uh that would work on the white grub species um yeah, I think um, we have a good uh, some a good Japanese beetle publication on extension as well. But uh, the good thing is, is that you dug down and you found you have grubs. A lot of people will think I'm going to just treat my lawn. I don't have any grub. I don't know if I have grubs, but just in case. And actually, that's not a good practice to do because you're just adding. You may be adding a chemical needlessly. So good for you for digging down there, finding the grubs, identifying them properly. And now you can go ahead and treat that area uh, for the grubs. Okay. Uh, let's see who's next. Gene is calling from Savage with a question. Gene, you're on CCO. Hello, Gene. Gene's gone. Let's go to Robin, who's calling from Bloomington. Robin, you're on CCO. Yeah, good morning. I've got a beautiful uh, uh, region apple tree out in the yard, and it's got a lot of blossoms on it. But I haven't noticed one pollinator on the tree. What do I do? 
Uh, so the best thing to do for pollinators is is to plant your landscape to encourage pollinators. Um, so uh, we also have some pretty damp weather. It's been quite chilly. Uh, the bees that you'll probably see, uh, you know, it, it's going to be bumblebees. And if there are honeybees around, you might see some of those as well, as well as other native bees. But you need to encourage them. And so look at your landscape and look at options for planting to attract bees and to provide habitat for bees. Uh, it could be related to any kind of pesticide use. Uh, it could be related to too much lawn and not enough uh, flowering plants for bees. And on our extension site, we have a, a nice section called Flowers for Pollinators. And it talks about creating a landscape for pollinators, plant options for pollinators, and then also how to create habitat for pollinators, as well as some really good plant list resources. So take a look at your, your yard. This is a perfect time to think about what can I plant in my yard for pollinators to encourage them. And one of the important things is thinking about bloom time. As you're looking at plants, plan to have something blooming every part of the summer, at least one, you know, at least a, a selection of plants. And then plant in masses. So plant many plants, you know, five, six, seven of a plant instead of just one here or one there. Because bees like to feed on a multitude, and they can see masses of plants better than they can see just a single flower. Okay, very good. Perfect timing to think about that. Texter says, is it okay to plant tomatoes and peppers in this weather? Well, I'd probably just hold off. They're kind of delicate, and if we get these hard rains, just hold off until after this we get this uh, rain situation happening. And I know, as you guys we'll have seen, we've got a bunch of uh, Creeping Charlie questions. Let's kind of feel them all in one one, one so, yeah, so we've got Creeping Charlie, about a 12 by 15 patch. This is for you, John. Uh, in a lawn, blooming, what is best for treating? Solarize? And then somebody else is asking a best chemical for Creeping Charlie. So solarization with uh, with creeping, creeping Charlie is one of the most difficult weeds to control, uh, full stop. So it's uh, uh, solarization may work, uh, and I... I welcome you to try that, but especially if it's in a very contained area that you know of already. But um, if if you're not against using a a herbicide, there are some selective herbicides with the active ingredient of triclopyr that is most effective at controlling creeping charlie. But again, I would I would consider the the conditions why you have the creeping charlie there. Maybe it's because of a neighbor, but most likely it's because of excessive shade and or moisture. So consider remedying that first. Uh, Otherwise, you might get Creeping Charlie again in the future. Julie, why don't you grab another text for us? Oh, okay. Somebody is asking about mums. They planted perennial mums last fall, and we're wondering if uh, we cut the old growth off. Does the plant regrow from stems, or does it grow from the base? That's going to come from the base of the plant. So you're going to see the old woody stems. You can just prune those off down to the ground and uh, and then expect to see uh, those plants coming up from the base. John, what can pe- people do now, who, not, maybe not this weekend because of the weather, but what can be applied to lawns right now or at least in the next week or two, if anything? Uh, for, from a herbicide standpoint? Or, or, or fertilizer. Uh, so fertilizer, uh, I would avoid, uh, like you said, just since, since you brought it up already, I would avoid applying uh, any type of fertilizer before you're anticipating more than half or three-quarters of an inch of rain. Uh, I would. Uh, it is, uh, generally speaking... Uh, a good idea to try to uh, fertilize sometime in in advance before a rainstorm, but uh, less than less than half an inch of rain. Uh, but but fertilizers right now, uh, I you could fertilize for the next month or so, and then after that, I would consider 
uh, for most lawns, I would I would uh, consider holding off for the rest of the summer and uh, and not pushing the lawn too hard. Okay, very good. Julie, you see another one? Yeah, I have two apple trees, a Harold Red, loaded with blossoms, a Honeycrisp, not a blossom on it. The trees are 12 years old. Any ideas? So these plants will bloom at different times. Not all apple trees bloom at exactly the same time. And, and Honeycrisp is a little bit later bloomer. The other... Uh, uh, situation is that Honeycrisp are uh, will bloom and produce fruit on alternate years. And there is a truly uh, term for that, but I can't think what it is. So it could just be an off year for your Honeycrisp. Okay. John, here's a text that says, I have a very lumpy lawn and very uneven. No grubs. We have had the service that puts holes in it. Can't think of the name. I imagine aeration. Yep. Uh, one service said our lawn is... Uh, so needs regrading, a lot of bucks, they have a lot of dollar signs there, and then seeding or new sod. Is that really our last resort? Uh, I can't imagine a situation where a lawn is so bumpy that you need to completely renovate it. I would, uh, first thing I would do, there are some roller attachments that you could uh, rent and you could uh, fill them up with water and roll the lawn to try to help smooth it out. Um, but a lot of times, if you think it's really bumpy, that might be a sign of earthworms uh, or earthworm casts at the surface, which uh, are certainly not detrimental to a lawn, to a home lawn. So um, that I would, I would just consider uh, getting that roller attachment or renting it and uh, and rolling your lawn to try to help smooth out the surface. Okay, we have about uh, two minutes to go. You want to grab another one, Julie? Can sure. Uh, here's one that we have. Um uh, is there any hope for my boxwoods? Severe winter burn on the south side of the house. I have 11 of them with a lot of yellow leaves. Thank you. So boxwoods do uh, can be uh, – winter burn can happen, and you've experienced it here. What you're looking for on those branches are little new buds that are uh, coming just at the base of those burned-out leaves. If you see those buds, uh, just let the leaves – you're just going to have to tolerate it for the moment. Um, the leaves will drop off. They'll dry up and drop off, and those new buds will emerge. That's a, um, I told you the same thing. You in have my the same house. thing yeah. at your house. Yeah. Now yeah. I didn't realize, and some people think those should be wrapped for winter. Sometimes people will wrap them for winter, but you know, desiccation happens in a number of different ways. It's not just from uh, sunlight drying out or causing uh, sun scald, but also just dryness. So, with any kind of uh, broadleaf evergreens and evergreens in general, watering water, water, water up to the point you can't water anymore. In the uh, in the fall is really important as well. All right, I know we just have sixty seconds to go here. I don't know if, if you have a quick one or if we we should talk about. You know, we haven't mentioned to pay a visit to the arboretum. Oh yeah, go see the arboretum. It's fantastic. The the crab apples. Well, today wouldn't be such a nice day to be yeah. out there, but yeah. I mean, it's nice to be out there any day. So, um, but there's uh, yeah, beautiful bulbs, and if the, we get a little break in the in the weather, uh, definitely make it run out there. It's just gorgeous out there right now. And thanks to both of you for coming in today. A lot of good information. We could go on and on and on. How about that website? And sure, how do we um, find that? Extension.umn.edu. If we didn't get to get to your question, go to Ask a Master Gardener on the Yard and Garden page. Also, uh, subscribe to our Yard and Garden News blog. It's got all sorts of great timely information, including that picture of that Japanese beetle Excellent. grub. That was important. Right. And, John, you've got the turf blog, too. Yeah, turf.umn.edu. Good deal. Good to see you both again. Thanks, Thanks so much yeah, thank for you. all your help. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.